0: the conquest of bliss a podcast about finding light in the darkness this episode was produced by cabbie productions welcome back to the conquest of bliss i am here with the amazing nicole double l nicole hodges if you're not following her you really should be she does so many cool projects and a lot of really cool sex positivity stuff and and so some of the projects just to name a few are the men who take baths girls who say fuck and of course the one that i'm super excited to ask her about is the orgasm book it's called oh the places you'll go oh oh i don't know why i keep grabbing it cuz you guys can't see but i'm excited <laughs> um so nicole can you tell me a little bit about what led to led to the orgasm book because it's so creative
1: thank you thank you um yeah thank you for that wonderful introduction and Uh, The creation of the book, it's a bit of a long story, so I'll try to keep it as short as possible, and if anything jumps out at you, just just let me know, and I'll specifically elaborate on it. But I was in a seven-year monogamous relationship. I was working towards the career of my dreams as a television reporter for a major news station in Vancouver. I was living in a beautiful apartment and everything felt like it should feel good. And yet I felt like I had fallen asleep at the wheel of my own life. I felt like everything had turned to a shade of gray and I had lost a sense of creativity uh, in my own life. And it wasn't until I started experiencing transcendent orgasms and pleasure that I realized how much more was out there and how many women uh, might be feeling disconnected from their own sexuality and their own vaginas and vulvas that uh, was actually causing them to live a life that wasn't in true alignment with with who they are and what they needed. And it really all comes down to the fact that I was reading this book and it asked me to go look at my vulva in the mirror. And I stopped when I read those lines and I was like, I have to do it. I felt like the author <laughs> would know if I hadn't. <laughs> so I went, I, went, <laughs> I went to the mirror And I sat down on the floor and I parted my legs and I looked at myself in the mirror and I just started crying. I just involuntarily sobbing because I realized that I hadn't looked at myself since I was probably about 15, but it wasn't just the act of looking and gazing upon my own vulva that that made me cry. It was the fact that I felt like I could hear her speaking to me and she was pissed. She was like, where the fuck have you been? And then once we got past that, and I apologize for neglecting her for so long, she had wisdom to share with me and I think that a woman's connection to her vulva to her sexuality is intrinsic with her creativity and her ability to express herself and maybe most important of all her intuition I think that's a huge tool that we don't necessarily nurture or are not necessarily taught how to nurture which is trusting ourselves and and trusting this journey and being brave and going forward into that uncertainty when you can talk to yourself in that way and you can love yourself in that way and learn how to care for yourself and learn what you need and how to never settle for anything less and so after looking at myself in the mirror I essentially that was the first step to me burning my entire life to the ground as I knew it I <laughs> left my relationship i quit my career i packed up all my things and i moved across the country to toronto and started a company called girls who say fuck which at the time i didn't really know what it meant but for me it was a beacon asking the universe to help me find my people and through that process of uh being brave and shedding the shame that i had around sexuality i was able to create this book the the catalyst though I would say is uh, releasing shame, which this book talks a lot about mm-hmm. um, because I think that the two biggest barriers to living an orgasmic life are shame for our own desires and and pain obviously but I focus a little bit more on shame um, I know I'm, I'm giving you like a full story here and I told you I would keep it short <laughs> no, but I, I love it lie because I don't know I don't know how to keep it short but <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'd made a promise to myself when I was, when I was 15 years old. I, I told myself that I wouldn't sleep with more than 10 people in my entire life. And it's such an arbitrary number. But I think it's reflective of this idea that we have of, mm-hmm. of a woman's perceived sexuality or what it makes of her if she fully expresses herself uh, yeah. as young girls who do develop into teenagers who are curious, who then develop into women that have influence and this this number was in my head because i was so afraid of what it would feel like to lose control or to fully express myself or experience myself as a sexual woman and so i you know found myself in a relationship with a man for seven years and holding so tightly to this idea of this number and when I was, you know, when I I left all that behind, it was actually actually really therapeutic for me because I had to have a conversation with my 15 year old self. And the way I pictured it was that I was standing at a gate in my mind and it was one of those, it was like a wide open field with one of those small little gates where I could have gone either way around it, which emphasized to me how silly it was that I created this barrier. And my 15 year old self was standing at that gate and I walked up to her as my, I think I was 28 at the time, my 28 year old self. And I said, like, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid anymore and you're safe. And I got you, you know, like this promise we made, this, I'm just getting emotional. Me too, I'm almost crying. This, (laughs) This promise that we made took us this far and like, you don't have to be afraid anymore. And I think if we can teach women that they don't have to be afraid of this thing inside of them, which is like just truly expressing what you want out of life, they won't encounter those gates and they won't encounter those barriers to experiencing what it means to live an orgasmic life, which is truly just being able to freely express yourself and what you want and having the, having the world reflect back at you all that you deserve. And so I, you know, I had this conversation with myself and I moved past that feeling. And on the other side of it, I found the most amazing people and opportunities and truly the creation of this book. Like orgasms allowed me to reach into this place beyond the physical and find it there and pull it back. Um, And continuing to nurture those feelings is what essentially led to the creation of it over two years. But, you know, reaching into those places beyond just the act of having sex, but like truly releasing into orgasm and truly releasing into pleasure, um, was, was essentially the catalyst for what has now become part of my life's mission.
0: That's, that's such a beautiful story. And I like, I relate so much. Just one second. Sorry. I relate so much to, to what you're talking about. I mean, my, the first time I had an orgasm during sex, I was 19. Um, Mm -hmm. And my, I mean, I did not make such a promise to myself. So I had had reached great heights by then, as far as body count goes, or whatever it is yeah. that the kids call it these days. Um, right. But uh, but it uh, it it wasn't until you know I was twenty eight probably that that ever started happening regularly. And I hmm. I found the same kind of freedom. And and you talked a little bit about about shame and. Like, damn it, there's so much shame around sex.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, one of the things, just, just to add to that before we continue, is, like, I think it's really important to, to, to say that one of the first things that I address in, in the orgasm book is, like, rebranding virginity to sexual debut. Now, do I actually think we need to rebrand the word virginity to sexual debut? No, but I want people to start talking about it and start considering what the word and the implications of virginity actually is. To lose your virginity means that young girls are beginning their sexual journeys at a deficit, already believing that that embarking on this sexual journey begins by losing a part of themselves rather than gaining a part of themselves.
0: That's so true. That's so true. And there's so many other complicated things around it I did a podcast um last week on someone else's podcast and I talked about um sexual assault and then I talked about losing my virginity and he goes well I thought you said that your first your sexual you're losing your virginity with sexual assault I said oh like fuck no like yeah <laughs> um I was like I do not consider that to be you know my sexual debut or anything like that I mean I consider that to be a completely separate yeah separate issue um well, and one of the things that I've really enjoyed watching you, too, is that, you know, I, I see you also trying to rid men of shame as well. You know, I think yes. that it's it's really beautifully two-sided that way. Um, so I'm not just going to ask you about your projects, but can you elaborate a little bit on the uh, the men who take baths, too? Because I just find that so cool.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. And thank you for bringing it up. It just like made every hair on my arm stand up. And I'm so grateful that you've kind of looked into these two sides of the projects because I do like I'm kind of the middle point for these two things. But I, I, I try to keep them relatively separate. But I love talking about both of them because, again, like anything that I can do to heal the divide and anything I can do to remind people that it is conversation that helps us understand one another and as soon as you can understand an aspect of someone else's lived experiences the more you can empathize and the more that we can actually work together to create change so the men who take baths project is i i put men in bubble baths and i interview them about masculinity and the reason for the bubble baths is i think it brings us back to a childlike state before judgment there's something incredibly and i'm remiss to use the word vulnerable because i think it has some negative connotation to it but I actually prefer the word integrity. Like we actually see see male integrity in that moment when they almost go back to this boy like state where they're playing around in a bubble bath and just relax and you know they're naked and it's kind of this funny thing, Mm -hmm. and so 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 that is a backdrop I find really fascinating just psychologically, but in terms of the conversations that we're having, you know, asking men what it what it's like to be a man and how do we raise boys into men who view women as equal and what's a moment in their life. That's had a profound experience on how it is that they live. Like these are questions that I think men deserve to be asked as well, because we can't expect to free women if we can't free men. And the reason I look at it that way is that men have been taught for most of their lives that women constitute the other. My question is, and this is a question that's derived from one of my favorite female philosophers, Camille Paglia. She asks in her book, Sexual Personae, what is a woman if just not a man? And I ask the same thing. What is a man if just not a woman? We have not had the opportunity as genders to identify ourselves as individuals, not in relation to just being the opposite of the other. So if you can help a man rebuild his identity or come in contact with his true identity as an individual, he will no longer look at a woman as something less than him. He will look at a woman naturally as something equal because he will finally see her as just different.
0: Yes. Now I'm the one with (laughs) goosebumps. I uh, see this is this is why I was so excited to have you on is because I I I follow your Twitch sometimes although I'm also very very busy so it it it's hard you know Mm -hmm. but but uh, Mm -hmm. it's that's so fantastic so um, my I guess I have so many questions but I guess that's the point of (laughs) this right Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, so how like like the men who take baths
1: that came before Mm the release of the Orgasm book. But I think you were working on both at the same time, right? I started Many Take Baths in 2017, right around the time that Me Too started happening. It was actually I believe it was right around when the news of harvey weinstein broke and my first thought was oh my god this is going to create a huge divide this is going to create the war of genders it's going to become a man versus woman kind of situation because we are going to forget that there are so many nuances and complexities to human interaction and that did happen for a little while and rightfully Mm -hmm. so because i do believe that the pendulum sometimes has to swing almost a little too far to the other side to obliterate bad behavior, and then it will naturally equalize, or at least that's what the hope is. And so, yeah, Men Who Take Baths was created in 2017. I don't think I started writing the orgasm book uh, until 2018. But in terms of in terms of like relevancy, um, they've only become more relevant as time has has gone on because these conversations are only becoming more important. And I think we're also at a time where we're craving, craving nuance again. Um, and as, as good as it is to be politically correct when we're talking about things like gender and, and sexuality and equality, I also think we're realizing how important it is to disagree with one another. Yes. And I'm actually a huge fan of compassionate disagreement. And when I host these men who take baths events, I create kind of like a like a public discourse and i encourage people not to necessarily agree with one another and to speak up in a respectful way because disagreements actually show us the fault lines when we disagree on something that's where we can see the weak spots and that's where we realize like okay that's where we need to heal because there was a spike in the conversation there that seemed a little bit i don't like to use the word negative negative i usually use like positive and necessary positive and necessary so instead <laughs> of framing something as negative, it's simply necessary. And so if there's like this spike um, where it seemed like the, the energy in the room went up and more voices came into it, it's like, well, what was it about that that got under so many people's skin? Uh, and then that's what we usually focus on. And I hope the orgasm book does the same thing. I, I hope that again, it instigates a dialogue around how we approach sex and sexuality. It's meant to be done in a fun way. And I have a I have a theory that Laughter is like smoke that can seep under the doors of the most closed minds. You know, it's it's it's. You're so, it's you're funny, so philosophical. I love it. <laughs> it's a funny, silly book. You could pick it up and you could read the entire thing in six minutes, and that's the point. But I guarantee that you'll you'll think about it days later.
0: Oh yeah, I, I remember. Um, I had a, I was, I was talking to a friend, and I was like, like I was looking through the book trying to find it. I was like, "There's cockatops. You have to see the cockatops." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you want to know do you want to know the story behind Coctothorpe? Absolutely I do. So so the official name of a hashtag is actually an Octothorpe. Oh. And yeah, so I like I was trying to think of some characters for the book and I knew I wanted to create this character that was kind of like that that encapsulates this idea of, of you know like I guess, I guess, for lack of a better term, and as you referenced earlier, as the kids say, "fuck boys," you know, like <laughs> if that's the language of the times, and sure. Like I was trying to find something that encapsulated that sentiment, um, and I came across this this term for that, that was Octothorpe, which is a hashtag, and I was like, "How has nobody just put a C in front of that?" <laughs> and I just, <laughs> and so I was like, coctothorpe, it's the perfect little character.
0: Yeah, and it's oh, it's so well drawn. Your illustrator is fantastic.
1: Uh, Jillian Mundy is incredible, and when I when I first started doing call-outs for the book for to different illustrators, I, I originally thought the book was actually going to be a compilation of different illustrators coming together and creating these different worlds, and I was going to have this character who was an ajacalope. Uh so the girls who say fuck mascot is a jackalope, and I was like, I'm just going to put an E in front of it, it's a jackalope. <laughs> uh, this is great, and... Obviously, the book took on many iterations before I finally landed, but um, Jillian Mundy was someone who I saw her work, and it was very psychedelic. It was somewhat like pseudo Alice in Wonderland. There There was something about it that really drew me in, and I ended up, I took a risk. I had 12 illustrators who were ready to create this book for me, and I woke up one night out of a dream that told me I had to pick one. And I knew it was her. And I sent I sent I sent one of the hardest emails I've ever sent in my entire life, which was telling eleven other women that they actually that I that you know, that they were no longer gonna be part of this project. And how I know that it was the right thing to do is every single one of them returned to me with a positive response and said, It doesn't matter, we believe in you. Do whatever you need (laughs) to do.
0: I just love that. Oh, see, I'm getting goosebumps this whole conversation. Uh, like, I feel like you ever get them on your head where like suddenly your head has goosebumps and you're like, whoa, like, is my hair I, didn't I don't even
1: know, know it what's could. happening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so, so one of the things that I always like to ask guests, um, especially if they're experts, and I kind of consider you a sexpert. Um, oh, so thank you. Jeez. <laughs> uh, one of the questions I like to ask guests is if if they are in a place where they're like, if they're in a completely different place, what is, what's the best place to start? Like, would you say for women, it's looking at their vulva or? Oof.
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I, I just, I think you nailed it right away. Is the, the I can only speak from my own experiences. And I, I think, you know, I, I tell people that too. And I get, I, you know, I get nervous and I, I fill with doubt sometimes as well that, you know, like, who am I to be spreading these messages because I don't feel like an expert, let alone a expert at all, <laughs> but I always come back to this idea that you are the expert of your own experiences. and. And, and, and we've been told for so long that we need to either like go to school or have a degree in this thing or have spent 10,000 hours doing this one thing or had a job for 12 years in this other thing. It's like, actually, your lived experiences and your life that are so true to you are sometimes the only thing that people actually need to hear. And so thank you. Thank you for even saying that. Um, but from my own experiences, I, I, I would recommend that a woman, if she has not... If she's not nurturing an an intimate relationship with her with her pussy, as I like to call it, and which, <laughs> so, like asterisks, you see below of page, the reason I use the term pussy is because pussy is the term that is so ingrained in our lexicon, in our in our culture's like, cultural zeitgeist, that it's the it's the term that young girls will most likely come across the most. Mm-hmm. So the vulva, vulva is is it's it's true. It's it sounds very clinical. Anatomically, it does sound clinical. Vagina, same thing. It's it's quite clinical. But we hear and young girls hear, oh, don't be such a pussy, or pussy is kind of sexual if it's said in a certain way. If they can already go into their life experiences with a positive association with the word pussy, if they hear a negative association with the word pussy, it'll just go off them, like water off a back or a back duck duck's back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so that's why I want to use the term pussy. So whatever whatever anybody feels comfortable with, look at your vulva, look at your pussy, look between your legs, your hoo ha, whatever you call it. Some <laughs> people have flowery terms, whatever. I know fruit is very on vogue right now with with relations to looking at yourself but take a mirror take a mirror and go lovingly look at yourself and don't do it with a critical eye look at yourself and and start to tap into your intuition and just see what comes of it and maybe nothing comes of it if I was lucky the first time I did I I heard something maybe it'll take a little bit of time but starting to heal any kind of wounds that you have with yourself will then start to attract other things in your life that reinforce the beauty of, of truly what you have between your legs. And I say it in the book. You know, one of my favorite four lines is, remember this, the universe is between your legs. You are the creator of all things. Your pleasure is a source of power and orgasms can give you wings. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, I think even...
0: Like, like, I think it's so important when you said look at it lovingly and without a critical eye. Because I think that, like, I... I know very, very few women who are not insecure about mm-hmm. their vaginas. Um they like there's just so much shame and there's those stupid fucking roast beef memes that make me want to punch people in their faces. Um wow, I haven't seen those. oh, they're very they're they're very aggravating. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there's there's just there's so much shame around, you know, like just like having a vagina. and I mean, same with dicks, you know, like, like it's like if we could just embrace what we have and and love love our bodies for what they are and and what they what they offer to us and our partners and and all of that then then oh my god we could actually like enjoy life like i mean it's amazing cuz nobody ever wants to talk about sex yet i know very few people who aren't walking around insecure in general because they're insecure about sex like you know yeah. like the whole big dick energy you know like okay like it's kind of a funny term but it's like a man's worth isn't tied to the size of his dick and a woman's worth is in no way tied to what vagina she happened to have been born with.
1: hmm mm-hmm, No, and uh, Yeah,
0: sorry, I, I didn't really have more, I just said and for, for no reason really there.
1: <laughs> well, I, I no, but I, I think I think to to play off your point, it's like it's not that we don't want to talk about sex. We don't want to talk about how messy and animalistic sex is we we we're still holding on to such puritan views of what sex is supposed to be like between two people. And unfortunately, we have either like the the like highly cinematized version of sex of Hollywood, which is which is fine, but like let's be honest that that movies are a lot of our young education or we have mm-hmm. pornography and both of those paint paint an unrealistic picture of what it's actually like. Like I'll say it Oh, right. When I have sex, it's borderline demonic, It's like an (laughs) exorcism half the time. Like I'm, I'm releasing into something almost tribal and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sweating and I'm, and I'm speaking and I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about what I look like or what I sound like. And I'm, I'm certainly not worried about what I smell like and i think that there's beauty in that but again that does, we don't want to talk about that aspect of it because that actually requires confronting a lot of the ways that sex isn't working for us which then has to come down to like our cultural views and the entertainment that we consume and what it actually means to be a sexually liberated woman which is loving your pussy. Now when women love themselves that is incredibly dangerous to a system that constantly sells us things that tells us we're not good enough so we should buy things to make us better.
0: Absolutely. There's so many things you said that were just like so good. (laughs) Um, So absolutely about the marketing thing I, I I couldn't agree more. You know like literally the The purpose of marketing is to tell you that you're lacking and buy this Mm -hmm. because you're lacking Mm -hmm. and that then you won't Mm -hmm. be lacking. But one of the Mm -hmm. things that you said as far as not caring what you look like, uh, a mutual friend of ours, who I'm not sure if she wants to be mentioned, but um, a mutual friend of ours (laughs) (laughs) was, I remember one day she told me and she just said it out of nowhere and it was surprisingly freeing, even though at first it was like really uncomfortable. She said, you know how you always want to take pictures from like above or like this this angle up here? Mm. She goes, have you ever thought about how every time you have sex, they're looking at you from this angle? Like the worst angle that you could take a picture from? And I was like, Nope, I had never thought about that. Thanks, and I was like, at first, I was like, oh fuck, I was so insecure, and then I realized that every time I have sex, like the guy's having a good time, yeah. And so like maybe, maybe it's okay to look at myself from any angle, you know? Yes. And uh, and so I found that very, very freeing. And just a little story I thought I would throw in there. And now anyone who you know, now everyone will think about that.
1: Um. <laughs> I think, I think, I think the interesting thing too is that our bodies serve us and and I I guess like I I always I'm always hesitant on like how woo to get about these things but I truly believe that we are endlessly energetic beings Mm -hmm. trapped in bodies infested by ego our ego tells us that that angle is less than desirable but to whose standards who told you that at what point in your life and when you realize that you are a, the creator of all things, when you are part of all things, it's kind of like when you do mushrooms, for instance. You feel this sense of at-oneness with all things, especially when you do it in nature, right? That's I think yeah. that's the beauty of, of of a psychedelic of that nature of psilocybin is that you feel connected to all things. And I think orgasms also allow us to feel connected to all things where we when we fall back into our bodies we're less critical of that body because that body allowed us to reach these places
0: yeah yeah like there's no way that we could do that any other and and okay this is just a theory that i have but i i don't know um <clears throat> so as i've been on my journey i've started to theorize that hypothetically you could get there without even physically touching anything because it's so spiritual Absolutely. so like yes. because like i know that i've had experiences where like i was you know feeling i don't know what the word is lust seems negative but like you know i'm fired up i don't know i don't know how you yeah
1: you would word eroticism it. i think is I, eroticism i think is largely the word is 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 erotic intelligence but i'll let you finish
0: Um, Well, yeah. So, so I've, I've noticed that like, you know, it's like, it's like a sex dream, you know, Um, Mm. men can finish in a sex dream. So like, why theoretically couldn't you do that without even ever touching, you know, in real life? So anyways, that was just a bit of a side note there, which.
1: I think, I think uh, it's so interesting what you're saying too, is like, so I like, I wasn't able to squirt until I met my current partner. And the night that I did it for the first time was after about seven months of just honing my energy into my, you know, vaginal muscles. And uh, we'd have sex and he would pull it at a certain point and say, push. And eventually I got frustrated with him sometimes. I was like, push what? There's nothing to push. But it started training my muscles in my vagina to like clench and almost push out like a like like childbirth almost like yeah drawing in and out from somewhere deep inside of me and after uh we had gone to a a, like a private uh sex party together and we had taken some mdma and i was feeling really free and wonderful and so it was like seven hours of intense arousal just like being steeped in eroticism watching people have sex uh, being with women together, being with each other, like feeling all these fabrics, just like soft, cushy environments, having some drinks, like just really nice stuff. And we came home and we started making love. And, uh, eventually like I felt this buildup and you know, that feeling that you have to pee. It's like, what, what's on the other side of that is, is really fascinating. And he pulled out and it was like, my body just knew what to do. and, And, and I was just squirting everywhere almost involuntarily to the point that I was looking down like what's going on and he was like oh my god and it was like fireworks (laughs) and it came from being aroused for so many hours and I thought to myself like why can't we feel like that all the time about life itself and it got to the point that my my like my vaginal muscles now are so in tune with with what's going on up here in my mind that I can be kissing him and have an orgasm that's fantastic it's dude it's the fucking best like it's really (laughs) it really is the best it really is the best but it's like why can't we be so in tune with ourselves and our bodies as this one like singular alignment at all times where you know, and, and I, I run this. I run this uh, erotic writing workshop sometimes, and I get I get women. It's generally women who come, but I get I get them to write down a seemingly mundane moment in their day that could be erotic. And what comes out of that is really cool. Like floating in the ocean, uh, the sting of a shower that's a little too hot, but staying in it because it makes you feel sexy. Going to the grocery store and like picking up and squeezing like a peach or a banana or something like that. It's like. The thing, the thing, and the beauty about being women—just like our orgasms—they're endless. They never end. They yeah. never have to be over. And that's living an erotic life.
0: I, I fucking love that, Nicole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so fantastic. I mean, yeah, because like for me, it's it's been theory. I, I have obviously, well, not obviously, but I don't have a partner right now, and it's been mm. Corona, so. Mm, yes. um, <laughs> so. <clears throat> I've been I've had to kind of halt my exploration for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely intend to get back to it when we're allowed. Uh, <laughs> oh, little side <laughs> note to the province of BC. <clears throat> I just think this is so interesting. So they put out the the rules or whatever for Corona and, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you know but we don't have any like hard and fast rules like ali- like legally but mm. it uh It's talking about people with, it said, the safest the safest is is masturbation, which I think is so great that the government is like advocating masturbation. Amazing. Um, And then it says, you know, if you have a partner you live with, and then it says, if you have multiple sex partners or do sex work, please try to take it online. So they didn't even tell people to stop. They said, try and figure out how to do it online. And I just think that speaks volumes about how the world is going. Yeah, that's progressive.
1: So progressive. progressive.
0: I was so like, damn, BC. I was like, so happy to see that. Um, But that was a total side note. Uh, No, um, I think that's really cool.
1: So, Hmm. um, yeah, I, oh, I forgot what I
0: was going to say. But it's okay because my listeners are used to it.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's very endearing. You get so sucked (laughs) into the conversation of what you're saying. I love that. I think it's so good to lose your train of thought every now and then.
0: Um, but yeah, like I said, I uh, I just I just love hearing your story and how empowering it is. And I really liked what you were talking about, where we're all, you know, it, we're capable of it all the time. And I think that the the shame, the shame really really needs to go because there's so much power in that our sacral chakra is that what it's called? I feel like it's called the mm. sacral chakra, but I could be wrong. I Think so? Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's so much power that comes from that part of us and. Even more importantly, or maybe to me more importantly, is that I think one of the reasons that we are sex-obsessed as a society is because it's so taboo. So I think Mm -hmm. that even the people who are like whatever um, weird about sex, I don't know what the word would be, but like sex-shaming and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. I think that they would even benefit from people being more free because once it is actually just a normal part of life then we don't have to worry about it so much. It's like this this thing we're not allowed, or not, you know what I mean when I say not allowed, you know, where it's it's yeah. taboo to talk about. And then, yeah. so it just like builds up into this mountainous molehill when really it should just be a normal part of life.
1: Mm-hmm. And it is, it's like one of the things we all have in common. You know, like I kind of joke, it's like, okay, what do we all have in common? We were all born of woman. Uh, now we all have coronavirus in common. <laughs> kind of funny, but but but. Honestly, what's the other thing that we have in common? We will all have sex in our lives. I mean, I hope that we all have that in common, but we will all have sex. We will all do this thing. Like we are predispositioned to seek that out and to and to want that or to, or to need it, whatever degree that fits into our lives. And the fact that we pretend so often that it's not that way, really it... it I don't know, it's astounding to me. And I think think the more people I talk to who do sex work and who live in these realms, I I don't want to ever fall into a silo of, of repeating myself to the same people that already believe in what I believe in. So it's like, maybe this is brainstorming with you, but like, how do we reach people outside of our usual sphere? Like, how do we get people involved in this conversation and again, it could be something as simple as like going and looking at yourself in the mirror or talking to your friend about, about pleasure or asking yourself what turns you on. I think the scary thing about it is, is once you discover that side of yourself, you might change your whole life. Yes, <laughs> it
0: is terrifying. <laughs> and that, that 100% has been my experience too, is it's just, it's been so freeing. And now like I do this podcast, I do all sorts of stuff. And it's like, like, I'm constantly asking myself like, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah. What, yeah. What happened? And, and it's so much with, with, I mean, part of it was the sexuality, but like there were so many factors, but yeah. it was, it's, it's terrifying. You know, I'm not going to lie, but to answer your your question about how do we reach mm-hmm. more people? I think personally, I think that the best way to reach more people is to just live a good life and then mm-hmm. people reach out and ask. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. for example, you know, I've been following you because we went to the same high school and we weren't even like really friends. You know, we just knew each other and I've been following Mm -hmm. you. And me seeing you live that amazing, like miraculous type life from the outside made me want to reach out. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's that's really like I'm such a big believer in passive conversion where, Mm -hmm. you know, if people aren't ready to hear something, they're not going to listen anyways. So it's a waste of everyone's energy. And it, yeah. and it stresses people out. Whereas if we just demonstrate what it looks like to just find joy, find peace, find transcendence, then mm-hmm. it 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 gives people something to ask us about and then we can start the conversation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think you're completely right. Living a life authentically yours Will therefore attract people to that that also are seeking something that you might then be able to help them with which is again is why I think that You being the expert of your own experiences and not shying away from that is one of the most powerful things you can do because if you're on your right path again not to get too out there, but the vibrations that you're putting out into the world will naturally attract people into your circle that need to hear or or long to hear, desire to hear what it is that you have to say. But you need to be you. And I I, I mentioned this in the book, like the greatest thing about doing what's true is it makes you the you viewer of you. The world wants <laughs> to know how you do what you do. <laughs> oh, man, I love, I love the
0: way that you do the right. Like you nailed the Dr. Seuss thing so hard. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I studied I studied him for a very long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so before I let you go, I'm wondering, are you open to playing a little game?
1: I would love to play a game with you,
0: okay. so it, i'm I'm trying to do a, <laughs> it's basically um poorly described things, and I'm picking a different oh. topic because the internet <laughs> is full of them. And then, yes. and then you would have to guess. So last time I did animals, before that I did jobs. So, and Lord knows I didn't write this list. So if it's awful, I blame, uh, I blame bored panda.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm, All I'm right. in.
0: Group spends nine hours returning jewelry.
1: Oh, wow. Groups, man, I must be so bad at this. Group spends nine hours returning jewelry. Okay, tell tell me what this one is, and then maybe I'll get the hang of it. It's the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay, so it's like movies.
0: Yeah. Oh, did I not say that part? Oh. No, 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 you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was like anti robbers, Christmas markets. Uh... <laughs> okay. Okay, movies. Christmas okay. Not a... so okay.
0: Grumpy emo chick ponders whether to shag a corpse or a dog over several years.
1: Oh no this camp i i don't know i don't know <laughs> it's so bad violent. you're oh uh, these are gonna make me laugh but i'm not gonna get these okay <laughs> keep going keep going
0: um oh wait why are they not oh gosh okay um everyone tries the ice bucket challenge frozen titanic
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it <laughs> um
0: oh they're not loading okay uh I've never wa- seen this movie, so I don't know if this is good. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio wanders a frozen wasteland in search of an Oscar.
1: Oh, that's funny. Uh, the Revenant. Yeah,
0: it's The Revenant. Okay, well, that'll yeah. be enough because it's not loading and I'm not going to leave the airspace. Um, so okay. uh, so before we go, can you just uh, let people yes. know how they can find you, how they can connect and, and see more of your incredible projects?
1: Thank you. Uh, okay, so I would say the... Uh, The umbrella, the one under which you will find all of these projects, is Girls Who Say Fuck. Uh, You can find that on Instagram, at Girls Who Say Fuck. Myself, personally, I'm Nicole Double L. So, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, the word double, and then an L on the end. My last name is not Dubelle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The Orgasm Book, you'll find that on Instagram. But I would say for The Orgasm Book, go to the website. It's uh, (laughs) theorgasmbook.com. And if you'd like... Use the code vulva fifteen if you do buy the book uh, at checkout, you'll get a discount of fifteen percent. Uh, I'm giving that to anybody that I that I speak with or do interviews with over the month of May. Partial proceeds going to a women's shelter because we know that during COVID, uh, domestic violence has has skyrocketed. So I'd like to at least donate some proceeds of the book toward the women's shelter, uh, so we can all come out of this better people.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's a fantastic. Uh, use of the funds, too, because I know oh, that has been a very, very scary part of COVID.
1: Yes, it has. Um, um, but I just wanted to say thank you. I mean, yeah, I think what you're doing is awesome. I'm so grateful for you for having these kind of conversations and for asking me to, to come on your podcast. Uh, I think your questions and your your conversation was was needed and important and thank you for for drawing certain stories out of me um, I never know what to expect going into these things and you made me feel really comfortable so thank you so much
0: thank you I I was so excited to have you this is my first episode about sex but I think sex is such a huge part of happiness and mm-hmm. and uh, it's so often disregarded and I'm sure that there's certain audience members who are gonna be shocked by this conversation <laughs> and that's okay um, <laughs> I uh, this is where we say hi mom <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hi, mom. Hi, grandma. Um, yeah, my grandma does not listen to podcasts. But, uh, so I'm just going to close it out and then uh, just stay on for just a quick sec. Um, okay. I, sounds good. All right. So thank you, listeners. I love you guys. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Today's episode is brought to us by AndrePsyche.com. That's AndrePsyche.com, where you can check out amazing art and music and custom clothing. It's not custom. I said custom, but I didn't mean custom. It's like specialty designed, designed clothing, clothing that's been designed by him. Um, There's also a fanny pack, so for anyone that's like me that loves pragmatism and nerdiness, fanny packs are where it's at. Um, Also, there's going to be a link in the show notes to a song he wrote, which happens to be called Nicole and happens to be on theme for this episode. So that's right, you guys. AndrePsyche.com. Go check it out. Check out his work. Maybe you need some custom stuff, music, art, all sorts of stuff. So AndrePsyche.com.